Welcome to Neither Here Nor There. tough to overstate just how fortunate I was to be on the cusp of an anomaly and to be the only person willing to write about it was my key to witnessing something I'm convinced I wasn't supposed to see. I guess I should fill you in on who I am. I am a journalist. I won't tell you my name. The first professor I ever had in journalism school said that if your work is good enough, they'll come to know your name. One of the last assignments I had in my college's journalism course was to report on local folklore and to treat it as if it were the truth. Uh, Part of being a trusted journalist is taking the word that you hear at face value. I now know that there's merit in treating what you hear as being worthwhile knowing how ridiculous it would sound to someone less empathetic. Others in my class had stories of hairy, four-legged beasts that lurk in the corners of people's vision. This all felt just too ridiculous to me. I'm a skeptic. I always have been. So anything supernatural, if you can even call it that, is hard to listen to with a straight face. Scavenge the internet for bits of folklore around me. It was everything you'd expect. Uh, stories of swamp men dragging screaming women into the marshes. Uh, winged people swooping by and snatching someone that you're talking to right as you turn your head, never to be seen again. Uh, all these felt fantastical. It all sounded like scary bedtime stories to tell your kids when they misbehave. Or, more realistically, men who murdered their partners and got away with it under the ruse of an old god did it, not me. Idiots. I couldn't find anything in Florida. I checked the panhandle. Nothing. I checked the keys. They had the chupacabra. It all felt so... pointless. I was getting really aggravated. 
I started to post on all the major social media sites, asking people if they were willing to be interviewed about local folklore, and they all followed the same byline. Someone died because of a mysterious monster that looked a lot like their husband. Wow. Incredible. Groundbreaking. I was about to give up and write about the Swamp Man when suddenly... Someone responded. It was a woman, probably in her 30s, telling me that she had proof of something that didn't feel like it was from this world. But it wasn't some scary story to tell around the campfire with your kids and their friends. This was something much more simple. The story goes like this. Generations ago, a small child had gone missing. No one knew where they went. The area is rural, very rural, so the threat of some wild animal coming by and taking a pet or a very small child wasn't out of the realm of possibility. This tore the town apart. People began to blame each other for killing the kid. Families couldn't trust anyone around them. It got to a point that tensions were so high that people began to move away. The threat of whatever took this baby away could take you or your kids, away too. I think that the bigger cause for concern here was the looming threat that someone could come into your house and shoot you on suspicion that you were the fox that got into the hen house. One by one, families began to move away, leaving behind massive family homes, which over time began to decay and rot, falling apart with the strong winds that constantly seemed to harass the town since the child went missing. More and more families moved out of the area until all that was left was an old woman and the mother of the child that went missing. The mother never let up the search. She knew that somewhere, somehow, her child was still alive. She wasn't coping well. A year or two had passed before one day the mother stumbled upon something. A hole. This wasn't a mining town. This wasn't an anything town. The town originally seemed to be subsistence farmers that took care of each other, moved far enough away that the government had no idea who was there and where they'd gone. They liked the privacy, I guess. There was something about this hole. No wind pulled into it. No wind bellowed out of it. It was a perfect cylindrical cut down to what looked like the center of the earth didn't look like it served any purpose. Not even a hole drilled out of pure boredom. It simply existed. There must have been something beckoning about this hole. The mother, assumingly under the immense weight of guilt piling up on top of her, saw the hole and saw that it was just large enough that she could fit into it. The woman I interviewed claims that her grandmother said that a look came across her face before she threw herself into the hole, hoping to finally be reunited with her baby. She was never seen again. The older woman was impacted heavily by this. She had the unfair burden of having seen someone end their life out of pure grief and sorrow. She avoided the area out of trauma not wanting to live the last few moments of that woman's life in her mind again. She would never return except for the day before she passed, where she claims that the hole had nearly doubled in size. I couldn't believe this when I first heard it. I 
sounds like a great camp story to tell. To freak out your friends, making them think that the ground beneath them is going to fall out from under them. But the woman on the phone seemed adamant that this is real. I asked her where this is, where I can read more about it, and she told me that you won't find it anywhere because the town intentionally has itself blacklisted. It's impossible to find it on any GPS technology. All I knew is that if I wanted to hear their story and see the proof for myself, I'd need to fly into Cheyenne Regional Airport, and it would all take off from there. I landed with the 20-something people flying in that afternoon. We all claimed our baggage, and one by one, people were picked up by cab drivers or their loved ones until it was just me, standing there, with no one around. A pale blue van that had been waiting probably half a mile away started up, then quietly made its way over to me told the man driving the van my name and asked if this was my ride to where I needed to go and he cut me off. He told me to stop talking. So I stood there, somewhat stunned, but I handed him my bags and hopped in the van without giving him a problem. Once I was inside, he assured me that we were headed to the town with the hole, but the ride there wouldn't be pleasant. Not one bit. And he was right. The ride there was long. I was allowed to look until we were out of Cheyenne, but the rest of the ride, I had to wear this hood on my head. They really wanted to keep this place as hidden as possible. I'll spare you the details of how bad my vertigo got, feeling like I was moving without knowing I was moving and tell you that once I felt the brakes lock up and the doors open, what I saw stunned me. The town looked like it hadn't been touched since the Industrial Revolution. It looked like I stepped into a painting of the working class during the Golden Age of America. So, uh, welcome to your new home for the next few weeks. You need help with your bags? Nah, I I think I got it. Did, did you just say weeks? Closer to a month. We only leave town about once every four weeks. Hope you're packed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course I did. Always prepared. I... wasn't. What you're listening to is the first recording of anyone from this town. Probably ever. I was stunned. You could imagine coming up to a place that hadn't had contact with the outside world in so long, but you'd be shocked to find out that they do have TVs and satellite radio. A bit old, but still. Their English had almost no weird quirks to it. The only outside influence they'd had was talk radio, which by the time it's gone through all the edits to make it to the radio waves, it's been sanitized to a point of having almost no personality. Trust me, I know this cycle pretty well. 
Their clothing looked like just about anything you could get at Target. Weirdly well-dressed, given the dire situation so many of them lived in. Again, it didn't make any sense how they were so adamant about staying disconnected from the outside world as they were. It's a thought that hasn't left my head since. I made my way up to my room, which was a house that was mostly falling apart. Floorboards were missing, wallpaper slowly tearing off from what I guess was water damage. The supplies weren't exactly readily available, so it's more about coping with what you have and keeping it from collapsing in on you. There was no air conditioning, so I slept that night with the windows open. The town was nearly empty, it felt like. There were no street lights, and most of the houses were lights out before 10. So, sitting there, staring up and out of my window, I could see the Milky Way, brighter and clearer than I've ever seen it before. Instead of seeing individual stars in the sky, I saw massive plumes of gas, the foundations of stars just hanging there. Thousands of years into the creation of even newer, brighter stars. I'd never been this far away from light pollution before. It's honestly anxiety-inducing. I don't want to sound like a hack journalist, you know, talking about how insignificant you feel under it, but the one thing that rang constantly in my mind was, where am I? Not even here in this town, but here. I woke up that morning to the sunlight coming through my window and almost blinding me. I guess I fell asleep looking up at the sky. I started to make my way around the village to talk to the people who claim to be lifelong residents about what life is like living here. Alright, when you're ready, just state your name and the city you were born in. Well, I'm Ellie. Lifelong resident? Lifelong. So, I don't really know how to start this interview, given, you know, the lack of connection you have to the outside world. Have you... You're here about the hole, aren't you? Well, yes. Uh, Among other things. I wrote this. You can publish it. Is there anything else I can help you with? She was upset. The first person from outside your village wanting to learn about you, showing up and asking you about a hole a child and its mother fell in. I tried to apologize, but she wasn't having it. I can understand why, given the upsetting nature of the story. I didn't have any more interviews that day. I headed back to my room, feeling guilty in a way. I figured... I may as well look at what she wrote, just to make sure that I got something out of my day. And I had no idea how much of a blessing it was that I'd made her mad. She wrote the following. The hole is growing. It was never this big before. I'd heard stories of the hole before, in the before when it was a game children would play. One child would be spun in a circle and everyone would run, trying to not get tagged by them. And whoever was last was pushed into the hole. 
This was all a metaphor. It was similar to the saying, last one to get there is a rotten egg. You don't become a rotten egg, but something feels off about this. It's almost as if the whole were willed into existence. I can't really put it into words, but something feels like it was created by the urge for all of us to see this place sink into the sea. Well, not everyone. There are so many who have left. I don't know where any of them went. They've been so secretive and protective over their families. Maybe there are other cities just like ours out there. One thing is for certain. The biggest driving factor for people leaving this place are... the Remainers. The rest of the paper was too smudged for me to read any part of it. Who were the Remainers? What were they? And more importantly... Where are they? The population of this town felt like it was constantly shifting. It felt like a town of ten people one day, then thousands the next. Remainers could be... any of them. I thought it would be impossible to find them. It's, uh... It's tough to see this, uh to see from this height. Several buildings, tall ones, teetering over the edge of the hole. The hole seems to be uh, still growing, almost uh, folding in on itself. Oh, there are people lined up around the perimeter of it. They're, they're holding hands and raising them upwards. They, they look like they may jump. They look like they may jump in. Why? I'm not sure. So I started asking around town. I was met with more hostility than I expected, asking who the remainers were. Hey, 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 excuse me, excuse me? Do you have a minute to talk about the remainers? Fucking disgraces. Freaks, they've ruined this town. They used to be, it used to be bustling here. Believe it or not, they ruined it. Oh, fuck off. Stop looking for them. All right. Thank you, fellas. Thanks. Like everything else in this town, if you search for it, you'll never find it. One day, it just finds you. I was out walking around one day, not sure how long I'd been here at this point, looking for people to interview when I... I gave up. I simply gave up. I sat down at a table and put my head in my hands. Why did I come here? All of this for an assignment. I could just fake it, right? Claim I met some guy in New Jersey who saw the Mothman. I felt like an idiot. I sat there for what felt like an hour. 
mulling over every dumb decision I made that led me up to this moment. Like being a journalist. I thought I'd be a fucking journalist. Then I heard a clap. Almost like two planks of wood smacking together. I looked up, and everyone around me was gone. Not in the sense that sometimes people leave an area, and by coincidence it feels emptier than ever. Everyone was gone. My eyes began to dart around, looking for anything. Was there a shooter? An event going on I hadn't heard about? Nothing. My eyes wandered. I started looking in all the open windows at that street corner, imagining who must live there, how long they've been there, when suddenly, something caught my eye. I saw an open door, with one lone light on, off in the distance. It's probably not the best decision, but I entered. I guess I broke and entered, but you do what you have to do for the story. I started to make my way through the entrance, then down this meandering hallway that seemed to go on forever. The hallway was like a major vein, with small, almost unwalkable hallways branching off of it like capillaries. These hallways kept getting more and more narrow until they met a singularity point so far off in the distance. This building seemed impossibly huge. No one was in the main hallway. At least, no one I saw. As I approached the light off in the distance, I don't think I saw anyone. But what I did hear was the constant murmurings from the adjacent hallways. It felt like hundreds of voices, all praying, chanting to an old dead god. It was unending. I was terrified. I thought I'd be eaten alive. It wasn't until I reached the light that I realized that I wasn't in some old dungeon or torture complex, but I was in a prayer room where I finally met a remainer. Others who view it more as a portal. 
when you walk through the portal with me? Jump in the hole? No. I don't think I would. What about with us? Thank you for your time. I've got to go. You don't have much time, you know? You don't have much time at all. I was terrified after that experience. I've always been somewhat scared of the dark. I've always slept with a small light on if there wasn't someone else in bed with me. I've always been like that, ever since I was a kid. But that night, it was so much worse. Every single place my eyes darted, I felt the shadows running out of my eyesight. Motion was blurring around the periphery of my vision. Things were lurking in my room that weren't there nights ago. I knew that if I stayed up, I'd at least see them and have some sort of chance at defending myself from them. And this continued all night long until I collapsed and was woken up to the worst day of so many people's lives. had grown to nearly a mile wide at this point. It had swallowed these little rural homes and their paved walkways overnight, with no trace of them left behind. And the hole began to expand towards the city center. I... I didn't remember the buildings being this tall just a few days ago. Had it been days? I don't remember how long I've been here. Time seems to weave in and out of how you perceive things. But these buildings, they were they were now teetering precariously close to the edge and started to sway, almost like they were about to fall in. I ran and got my audio recorder and bolted towards the top of a building that was further inland than the hole's area it was threatening. And overhead, a helicopter soared by. I assumed he was doing rescues saving people from the tops of these buildings that had become stranded because the only exit was a road that didn't exist anymore. But he didn't try to save anyone. He just flew in circles above the hole. From a distance, it was nearly impossible to see what was causing the massive hole to grow. Was this a sinkhole sitting on top of an aquifer? There's no way to know what the layout of this is because the people of the town refused to let me know where I was coming in so all of it was guesswork. I tried to write as much as I could, detailing the weather, the wind, the temperature, the rain from the last few days. Everything was normal. I was about to get my stuff and run before I saw... the hole... eat someone. A woman who couldn't have been more than 30 years old walked up to the edge of the hole and threw what looked like handfuls of jewelry into it. It almost looked like a ritual offering. She tossed in chains and rings and earrings, everything she had that had monetary value, and stood there, palms facing up, almost like she was praying. She hung there for a bit, perfectly still, until the ground underneath her crumbled, and she fell in. One by one, the town started to offer their material possessions to the hole. 
At first, I thought they were panicking, trying to offer stuff to keep it from growing. But it wasn't until I saw some of the remainers that I realized these were tributes. One by one, the remainers lined the perimeter of the hole, hand in hand, raising them up towards the sky before having the ground completely collapse underneath them, consuming them all without leaving a trace. Buildings began to fall with that massive collapse. Incredibly tall structures careening down into the hole like someone had set off explosives at the base. Hundreds of people in the buildings, unpanicked, accepting their fate as they fell. The helicopter continued to soar overhead. Everything in me was telling me to get my stuff and to hop in the van and drive as far away from here as physically possible, but I couldn't. I physically couldn't. There was something about the moment that felt like I couldn't break my gaze from it. It took hours for the city to be consumed. People began to throw themselves into the hole. Others began to drive their cars, with all their worldly possessions on board, until it was just me and the helicopter soaring overhead. For a second, I thought he was also a journalist here, covering the events, somehow managing to smuggle in a camera, but I came to find out he was a member of the town just like anyone else. A man who just happened to know how to fly a helicopter. I now know what his purpose was. I recovered the audio tape he'd been recording. This was one of two messages he'd recorded. That's... That's everyone. That is... Everyone. I'm all alone now. Here. Circling above. Resisting you. Resisting you. I don't have anything to give you. I've given everything I can, besides myself. Please don't. the others had aimed themselves towards the center of it, but he hit the ground beside it. At the time, I wasn't sure why he intentionally crashed into the ground, or even if he meant to. I rushed over to the mangled hull of the helicopter and found the recorder, clutched to his chest, wrapped around his bloated, broken body. Then everything feels blurry. I... I don't know what came over me. I remember I grabbed his arm and what was left of the other, and I began to drag him towards the hole. I 
rolled him onto his side and thought, You wanted this. And then I kicked him in. I waited to hear a crash. To hear anything. The sound of his body hitting rocks, water, anything. But there was nothing. Inside the hole laid a perfectly sterile, silent nothingness. I couldn't break my gaze from it. I stood there, staring into it. It was nothing. It was perfect, abject nothingness. It wasn't until I'd considered jumping that I began to feel weak. And to this day, I can't tell you what caused it. All I know is that pluming from this hole was this foul, black, thick, dense fog that seemed to wrap its tendrils around my legs. And I don't know. I know it sounds insane, but it pulled a part of me in. Not my body, not my soul, whatever that means. But something within me jumped that day. I remember collapsing after a bit. It must have been from pure exhaustion from the night before. I don't know. But the hole was... gone. Along with the city and the mangled hull of the helicopter that had crashed behind me. I ran my fingers across the grass and... It was smooth here. There were no bugs. Nothing for me to worry about getting bitten by more concerningly, no visible signs of the ground breaking away anywhere near me. I had no clue where I was. Did all this even happen? There was no way to know. I questioned reality, my own sanity, for days as I tried to make it to a small town on foot. Lucky enough for me, I found a major interstate and hitchhiked my way to a somewhat bigger town. Everything felt just as it did when I left. Had I gone insane? I started to rummage through my bags, and everything I'd packed when I came here was there. A few notebooks, an audio recorder, and another audio recorder. I didn't remember packing, too. I sat down at this coffee shop and plugged my headphones in. The tape had been recorded almost all the way to the end, and I played what was left. Resist jumping in. Whoever hears this, resist jumping in. There's no coming out. You will never know for certain if you fell in, but if you did, you cannot come back. Run! Now I'm stuck, here, with you.